All right, hello everyone, it's time to get started. Um, I'd like to welcome all of you here tonight for this new moon meeting um, and for coming here to participate in this vital, vital work that we do every month at the new and full moons. As we know, meditation is the outstanding creative agent upon our planet. It is through meditation that the true self, the soul, is revealed and becomes manifest in the three worlds of human living. And as the soul manifests the drive towards personal spiritual attainment, which is so potent on the earlier stages of the path, gives way to a sense of inclusion and eventually a sense of universalism that transcends all separation. This fulfills the injunction from our mantra of unification, the souls of all are one. And at the new moon, we are reminded that all who work selflessly for the good and for the improvement of the quality of human life upon our planet are part of one group. And this group is called the new group of world servers. Its members are not affiliated by any outer doctrine or creed, but only by the purpose to which they selflessly consecrate their lives, each working within their own tiny sphere of the whole. And our work here tonight in meditation seeks to strengthen and vitalize this group and to augment this work, augment their work. And as many of us know, during the time of the new and full moon, we distribute spiritual energies throughout the planet. That's our work. The new moon being the lower interlude takes a special focus on the plan, how it can be manifested, and how the love of the one soul and the power of the one life are already in process of working out. That's important to remember. And today we have a unique opportunity. Our work is being energetically augmented by the solar eclipse, which occurred earlier this morning. Eclipses bring in the energy of the will, which can be profoundly destructive or constructive as need arises. When we speak of the will, of course, we are referring to not the human will, we're referring to the will of God, which is simply that which compels all lives towards their intended evolutionary goal. And though we know the will of God is love, it works out this love at any cost. And to safely and harmlessly work with this energy as human beings who are so prone to, to separatism, it is important to practice detachment, dispassion and self-effacement at every turn to make sure that that will energy pouring through us at this time does work out as love and not as something else, a sense of separate righteous, separative righteousness, for instance. Tonight's meeting um, will include a short presentation on the theme of intuitive perception and how this faculty dispels illusion, brings illumination and can provide a mean for the resolution of many of humanity's biggest problems. We will then have a group meditation followed by a group discussion where we can share and discuss our ideas and impressions. Um, but before proceeding any further though, let's sound together um, the mantram of love sounded by a single sounding of the Om. the souls, in the center of all love, I stand. From that center, I, the soul, will outward move. From that center, 
I, the one who serves, will work. May the love of the divine self be shed abroad in my heart, through my group, and throughout the world. So as I said, today we're going to, or I'm going to speak briefly about intuition and the problems of humanity. And because the word intuition is often used so imprecisely and with varying meanings, I think it will be important to begin with a clear definition of what the intuition is and what it is not from an occult perspective. And the intuition is not a sentimental welling forth of love for another. It is not the cohen use of the analytical mind. It has no relationship to psychism, to seeing visions, or to hearing the voice of the silence, or even to seeing symbols. Nor is it even the intelligent understanding of human psychology and the ability, therefore, to help others. The intuition has no relationship to the personal or to the separate. The intuition has been defined by various thinkers. Carl Jung, for instance, refers to it as an extra-conscious mental perception. Father Joseph Marichal describes it as the direct assimilation of a knowing faculty with its object. Herbert Wilden Carr defines the intuition as the apprehension by the mind of reality directly as it is, and not under the form of a perception or conception. In a similar manner, esotericism defines the intuition simply as pure reason, the direct apprehension of truth as it exists untainted by the illusory nature of the separated self in the manifested world. Intuitive perception is a state characterized by a union of the perceiver, the self, with the object of perception, which is knowledge, resulting in an experience of true synthesis. In fact, it is somewhat erroneous to even call it intuitive perception at all, for it is a sort of seeing by being rather than, a, rather than by observation. The intuition, therefore, is the is a state of identification, and it's and it's not so much the existence of a phenomenal faculty, though we sometimes refer to it as such. It transcends totally the five ordinary senses, and even the intellect. It is called pure reason on one hand because it is infallible, but more importantly, this exalted state of knowledge can only be attained by the development of the intellect to its consummation. The intellect, as we are all aware, is a means of acquiring knowledge. It is a means or a faculty of discernment or discrimination. And the, the intellect can also be a bridging agent. But when the in intellect has completed its task, and when the true and false are separated, and when one thinks always in terms of bridging, then the higher, then and only then can the higher faculty of the intuition begin to supervene. And this higher faculty transcends the lower pairs of opposites as they normally condition human consciousness and comprehension. With this in mind, the Tibetan writes that, quote, the intuition is the synthetic understanding, which is the prerogative of the soul. He also writes that it is a comprehensive grip of the principle of universality. 
the intuition is also known as universal love. But it is a love that has no relation to sentiment or to affection, but is instead an identification with all beings. When Christ uttered the teaching of the Piscean era that God is love, he was laying the groundwork for a realization of the synthetic unity or wholeness of God with his creation. And though personal love was emphasized in the Piscean era, impersonal, universal love will be consciously and intelligently realized in the coming Aquarian age. Christ, or the Christ principle, however you want to refer to it, um, which is also referred to as logos or the, or the word, is deeply connected to the intuition and to the state of pure reason. The Stoics defined logos as both the active reason which pervades and animates the universe, and also a sort of law of generation by which the universe was formed. Philo of Alexandria, a Hellenistic Jewish philosopher, referred to the Logos as the firstborn son of God and as an intermediary between God and the material world. Similarly, Hellenistic Christian thinkers describe Logos as the Christ himself and therefore equate it with the second person of the divine trinity. And these usages are all consistent with occultism's understanding of logos. In the occult doctrine, the, lo the, the logoic word is om, represented by the letters A, U, and M, which correspond to the breath, the sound, and the word, respectively, thus summarizing the primeval and archetypal act of creation or building. And in the microcosm, humanity's microcosm, the microcosm of humanity, I mean, the plane of intuition or booty, um, as it is also called, is the archetype or the, that, that upon which is built those spiritual ideas which exist within the mind of God himself. And it is through the word or Christ, who is the second logoic aspect, that these divine ideas work out or are built into differentiated expression, first upon the plane of mind, and then thereby into human consciousness and phenomenal expression. Christ therefore embodies in himself the intuition. And one day in the far distant future, humanity as a whole will attain to this level of knowledge, for this is the destiny of the fourth kingdom in nature. Interestingly, the Tibetan also tells us that the intuition is light itself. And this highlights the role that it plays in dispelling illusion. Illusion, briefly defined, is the result of the unillumined human mind, which continuously creates and recreates thought forms based upon its erroneous perception of reality. When this mental illusion is intensified by desire, it be, we call it glamour, it becomes glamour, which is really an emotional fog which obscures the vision of all who are surrounded by it. When illusion glamour becomes etherically vitalized through the activity of the human being, we give it the name Maya. An illusion today, unsurprisingly, is waxing in strength, growing. And this is because humanity is becoming more mentally polarized and therefore gaining greater facility in concrete thought. And commensurate with this trend, it is vital that those who have chosen to tread the path of mental development, of goodwill, of self-effacement, and above all of service to humanity ought to do whatever they can to develop the intuition for the intuition is the only thing which can dispel illusion. Glamour, sort of the emotional form of illusion, illusion on the emotional plane, the astral plane, you could say, 
can be dispelled through the discriminating analytical mind when that mind is developed and controlled and able to discern um, the real from the unreal. To dispel illusion, however, the faculty of synthesis, which is the prerogative of the self and the soul must be invoked because only this faculty can apprehend truth directly. It is only the soul that is truly enter, truly able to enter into that state of identification whereby the intuition is evoked. It is this state of identification or universality which proceeds from those higher states of meditation, which Patanjali calls contemplation, the meditation of the soul on its own plane. The human being has a compulsive tendency to interpret all knowledge and phenomena in terms of the separated personal self. And this is really the root of all illusion. When one forgets the personal self and instead begins to interpret all knowledge gained in terms of the whole, in terms of the whole which one is part, then at that moment one begins to understand the, the true significance of self-knowledge, which is knowledge of the self and all. Today, humanity's problems are being brought to a point of crisis and tension. And this crisis, which is really a psychological condition, is the gradually dawning recognition of the need for reorientation. This reorientation is a reorientation of thinking, first of all, but also of living, of human living, towards the ideals of goodwill and right human relationships. Once this, psych once this psychological reorientation is realized and worked out into human living, it will, on a scale greater than ever before, make humanity receptive to divine impression. Everything in creation is impressed by that which exists above it in the great chain of hierarchy. But just as we receive spiritual impression from the kingdom of souls, to those those great beings who have solved the problem of separateness and attained enlightenment, just as we receive spiritual impression from them, so too do we impress upon the lower kingdoms in nature the fruits of our evolutionary development, namely love, responsibility, and reason. Fundamentally, the problems of humanity are the result of its wrong thought, wrong aspiration, and wrong action throughout millennia. In other words, a collective Maya glamour illusion, constantly revitalized um, and perpetuated through the continuation of humanity's wrong thought and action. Um, today, numerous philosophers, theologians, educators, politicians, and thousands upon thousands of, quote, ordinary people are doing what they can to promote the idealism of the future Aquarian age. And this ideal says that there is one humanity, that separateness, though a fact and manifestation, is not true in its philosophical essence. And today, this idea is spreading like wildfire throughout humanity and throughout all sectors of human living. This is a great reason for hope. There is a growing recognition that as humanity thinks, so it becomes. And this is a basic occult truism. We say energy follows thought. The unillumined and misdirected thoughts and intentions of humanity spur into motion etheric forces. And these etheric forces produce the phenomenal effects of humanity's predicament, which we are all so familiar with. These are the horrors of war, hunger, and starvation, the slavery, persecution, and exploitation that continues with impunity today throughout the world. There is inequality, there's injustice, there's evil propaganda, which aims to enslave the human mind. And there is, of course, widespread fear and despair, which accompany such conditions. But underlying all of them 
all of these very preventable problems, there is a profound sense of otherness which fuels them. And in order to lift the veil of illusion from the eyes of humanity in both its gross and subtle forms, there is a need for those who can bear witness to the underlying reality of humanity's essential oneness to whatever degree they are able to. There are those who through courage and will have tamed the lower self, have trained the mind in superseding it, entered truly into a state of identification with the whole. And these blessed souls have the privilege of anchoring these truths into human consciousness. And we can all aspire to this task, all of us who work with thought, with goodwill, and through the process of meditation. For this is a path which is the birthright eventually of every human being to develop and to attain to the intuition, to develop the faculty of the intuition. It's the birthright of every human being. And we can all tread this path towards that eventual goal in one or other of its stages. On this path, we remember that one carries only what they can, only what can be used in service to others. As the personal and separate is discarded, the traveler continues ever faster upon their way towards the goal. So now we continue um, with our meditation. strengthening the hands of the new group of world servers. We affirm the fact of group fusion within the heart center of the new group of world servers. Together we sound the mantra. I am one with my group brothers and all that I have is theirs. May the love which is in my soul pour forth to them. May the strength which is in me lift and aid them. May the thoughts which my soul creates reach and encourage them. alignment. We recognize our place as a group within the heart center of the new group of world servers. We extend a line of lighted energy towards the spiritual hierarchy, the planetary heart center, to the Christ, the heart of love within hierarchy, and towards Shambhala, where the will of God is known.
higher interlude. Hold the mind focused on the planetary role of the group of world servers, mediating between hierarchy and humanity, responding to hierarchical impression, and meditating the plan into existence. Meditation. Reflect on the seed thought. Through the impression and expression of certain great ideas, humanity must be brought to the understanding of the fundamental ideals which will govern the new age. This is the major task 
of the new group of world servers. Precipitation. Visualize the precipitation of the will to good, essential love throughout the planet. From Shambhala, through the planetary heart, the spiritual hierarchy, through the Christ, the group of world servers, through all men and women of goodwill everywhere in the world, 
and finally to the hearts and minds of the whole human family. Lower interlude. Consider the many ways in which the power of the one life and the love of the one soul are working out in the human family through members of the group of world servers. So building a thought form of solution to world problems.
distribution as the great invocation is sounded visualize the irradiation of human consciousness with light love and power from the point of light within the mind of god let light stream forth into the minds of men. Let light descend on earth. From the point of love within the heart of God, let love stream forth into the hearts of men. May Christ return to earth. From the center where the will of God is known, let purpose guide the little wills of men, the purpose which the masters know and serve. From the center which we call the race of men, let the plan of love and light work out and may it seal the door where evil dwells. Let light and love and power restore the plan on earth. Thank you everyone for your work, meditation. We are now moving into the final portion of tonight's meeting, um, which may be, which is the group discussion. And you know, maybe um, the meditation we just engaged in is a sufficient enough form of communication for some of us. Um, but some of us may also wish to share their ideas, their impressions, their thoughts um, in a discussion format as well. So we open the floor to you. To share audibly, you can go to your participant screen, click the um, dot, 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 and you can click raise hand. And then um, I'll unmute you if your hand is raised. It can be sometimes not appropriate to share what comes to us during meditation. There's a saying we have, certain treasures are too frail and valuable to be exposed to the sight of the many. Keep them, keep them within the locked seclusion of the heart. And sometimes that which is so sacred is left um, unsaid because it somehow loses its potency or is profaned in its speaking. But sometimes not, sometimes things need to be said. So it's really up to, up to each person.
There are also some questions here for reflection. Um, I'll read them and perhaps they'll stimulate the group mind. These are just suggestive, of course. Please share whatever you'd like. What changes will be wrought in human thinking when the fact of illumination is recognized as a legitimate process for the ascertainment of truth? What role can the synthesis of science and theology play in solving humanity's problems? How can the fact of synthesis, which results during the process of intuitive perception, be practically applied to a specific field of human living? Can you identify any examples, either historical or contemporary, of the application of this experience? something that occurred um, to me during meditation and something which I hadn't specifically thought about before was in relation to our key thought, which we use at the time of the new moon. Every, every new moon, we use the same key thought, <clears throat> excuse me, seed thought. And um, that seed thought to repeat it again is, through the impression and expression of certain great ideas, humanity must be brought to the understanding of the coming ideals which will govern the new age. This is the group of the new, this is the work of the new group of world servers. The recognition I had was this first part through the impression and expression of certain great ideas. And that really expresses, I think, the means by which the work of the new group of world servers will go forth. In esotericism, there's sort of a hierarchy. We have idea at the very top, which is really, um, a spiritual idea, sort of an intuition, even you could say, sort of the archetype of an ideal. Then we have the ideal, um, which we know are like things like goodwill, group consciousness, or ideals. And then we have thought forms, which are specific forms of thought. And my recognition was that this, through the impression and expression of certain great ideas. And so it was sort of this livingness behind ideals, which propels the work of the new group forward. Sometimes myself personally, there's I have a tendency to, to focus always on the how things will work out, the very third ray part of it. How are we going to get people to understand these ideals? How can these ideals influence certain sectors of human living? But it's really those ideas which are the livingness, which makes the which which is the work of the new group. That's that's specifically the work. That's what the new group brings that's so unique. I think there are lots of intelligent people of goodwill working with working with integrating ideals, but there's a certain livingness to our meditation work. And I think that's what that first part of the keynote is referring to. So there's a hand here, Anthony LaRusso. Uh, I'm going to unmute you or ask you to unmute yourself. Go ahead. Thank you, Michael. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you fine. Great. Um, so the thing that really struck me um, during uh, all the uh, various phases of the meditation. And I love the, uh, the way it's kind of broken down um, the Bailey method, as it were. Um, when, you, uh, when it was said uh, to talk about one soul and one life, I thought it was so potent because I too, like you, think, you know, how is this going to get out there when we're so hung up on language? You know, not everyone is studying you know, these books and is using this language and, and yet there's good people doing good work. You know, they're also world servers. Um, and I see a lot of times discrepancies in vocabulary, you know, when we, when we probably mean the same thing, you know? So I, I just thought that that one soul and one life, especially with the younger people nowadays, um, with their environmentalism and just the realization that anything that you do to the earth, um, you know, it's one life. I just thought that that's so potent uh, to, that that will be a way to cut through things. Um, and I think that kind of dovetails with what you just said, you know, that you don't have to figure out 
how it's going to happen. You know, you just allow the process um, as a new world server, um, whatever, however noble that title is. I mean, it just, it's work, you know? So um, allow the work to just come into you uh, with simple concepts like one soul and one life. Thank you, Anthony. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. Excellent comment. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Fred? Go ahead, Fred. Well, I have to, um, am I unmuted? Yeah, I can hear you now. Go ahead. Fine. First, thank you so much for the, this talk and the talk at Triangles. I don't know how you prepare for this stuff, but you really got it today as far as I was concerned. So the Tibetan, as I understand it, teaches us that at the time of the full moon, we are receptive to receiving ideas from higher realms. And it is our work at the time of the new moon to translate those ideas into ideals and activities um, that we can actually do here on the earth plane. And that is difficult. Uh, so I just wanted to call that to people's attention, that the full moon is the time, so it's said, of receptivity to ideas. And the new moon is the time of translating those ideas into ideals and activity. Mm -hmm. so, and thank you all. I thought this was one of the most powerful new moon meditations I can remember ever. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Fred. <clears throat> so there are some there are some uh, comments in the chat, but just just to kind of hold the uh, sacredness of the space, I'm not gonna just read off all the comments. People can read them themselves if they'd like and then respond in kind. But it's just, uh, it just becomes a lot of reading when, when, when we go through that and it kind of seems to be endless sometimes. So I'll just, we'll just hold a moment of silence um, until, until there's any other sharing that people would like to do audibly. And of course, if you'd like to read, please feel free to do that.
the silence itself, at least for me, is very powerful. So <clears throat> thank you all for, for allowing us to hold that silence. Um, I feel the ideas continuing to percolate in the group mind, even if nobody's speaking or typing. But now that it is close to um, the hour mark, I think it is best to go ahead and conclude our meeting on this high note of silence. We have an upcoming meeting. Um, our next meeting is actually a webinar the Lucis Trust will be holding called Array of Hope on Saturday, December 19th at 10 a.m. Eastern time. You can go to lucistrust.org for more information. Following that, the Festival of Capricorn um, occurs on Tuesday, December 29th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern time. That's the, uh, the festival. Our, our full moon meeting occurs at that time. Tuesday, December 29th at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Let us all end with one final moment of um, concentrated dynamic silence followed by a single sounding of the own. And blessing to all the new group of world servers and their work. Oh.